Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jimmy Tingle Show. I am Jimmy, and I want to introduce you to a new segment of our show, the Meet the Candidate series. It is intended to give candidates running for public office a platform and a voice. So voters know who is running for office, why they're running, and what they hope to accomplish if they are so fortunate to be elected. So please feel free to share these interviews with your family and friends and citizens around this fine land, because an educated and informed population is essential for a healthy democracy. And isn't that what we all really want? A healthy democracy? Enjoy the interviews. Stay healthy. My name is Jimmy Tingle, and I approve this message. Our candidate right now is candidate for Attorney General of the fine state of Massachusetts, Andrea Campbell. Andrea was born and raised in Roxbury, Massachusetts. She graduated from Boston Latin High School, Princeton University, and UCLA Law School. She's worked as a legal service attorney for the Ed Law Project and also served as legal counsel to the one and only Governor Deval Patrick. In 2015, Andrea Uh, successfully ran for Boston City Council, becoming the first woman to represent District 4 on that council. And in 2018, she was unanimously elected City Council President, becoming the first black woman to hold that title. Please welcome candidate for Attorney General of the fine state of Massachusetts, the one, the only, Andrea Campbell. Hello, Andrea. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me and feel blessed and honored to live in the fine state and Commonwealth of Massachusetts. (laughs) I do, too. Thanks so much for joining us today. So, Andrea, please tell tell my listeners and our followers uh, and the voters of Massachusetts a little bit about your background. You grew up in Roxbury. Grew up in Roxbury, and it's actually quite a tragic life story. Um, I had a childhood filled with incredible instability. Uh, my mom actually died in a car accident going to visit my father, who was incarcerated at the time. I actually didn't meet my father until I was eight years old. Um, And then he would actually suddenly pass away when I was a sophomore at Princeton. I talked to him one morning. He died the same evening. And so a lot of tragedy. And then fast forward, my twin brother, Andre, actually passed away 10 years ago this year while in the custody of the Department of Correction as a result of receiving inadequate health care and as a pretrial detainee when he was only 29. And so a lot of loss, but I've always turned that pain into purpose and done it through my careers and, of course, in the work. And the same is true in this race for attorney general. And has that background encouraged you to go into politics and to go into public service? Was what, that one of the motivating factors? Absolutely. And, and particularly running for attorney general, I think a lot about my twin brother, because I firmly believe that the AG's office is uniquely positioned and was uniquely positioned to look into that case and to really figure out how that happened. And my family still doesn't know under what conditions Andre passed. And I know there are similar stories in Massachusetts, residents right now who are struggling, really worried about whether or not they're going to be able to thrive and prosper coming out out of COVID. And not just economically, but mentally with what's happening at the Supreme Court. So this role in particular in this race feels more personal than the previous. Um, But I've always dedicated my life to making sure every resident has access to opportunity as I did growing up in Massachusetts. And I consider myself blessed to be a resident here and to be a candidate in this office or for this office, I should say. Tell me, Andrea, um, what does, and and for our listeners, everybody knows there's an attorney general, there's a secretary of state, there's a lieutenant governor. What does the attorney general, what are they tasked with doing here in the state? A lot. Um, One, some, as I was just meeting with some public safety officials, referred to the office as the top cop 
which is true in many instances. It, its job and responsibility is to make sure every neighborhood is safe and our residents are protected, of course. You are the chief law enforcement officer for the Commonwealth. That also means implementing our laws with a sense of urgency and equity. But in addition to that, I have been stressing to the average resident that this office can do more than that. It has the tools, the resources, and the talent to actually make sure every family has access to health care, including reproductive health care, access to a living wage, to benefits, all the tools to stay in your home if you're in fear of a foreclosure crisis, everything to protect you in terms of predatory practices and scams, which is actually on the uptick for many of our seniors, everything to protect us against climate and environmental injustices, and so much more. And so really stressing the broad scope of this office to not only advocate for you, but to be essentially your representative in various processes to ensure your rights are protected and that you're afforded the things that you're entitled to living in Massachusetts. As we know, the current Attorney General Maura Healey will be running for governor. It looks like unopposed now on the Democratic uh, slate. And tell me, how do you think uh, Attorney General Healey did in Massachusetts? And what would you uh, try to improve upon or expand? Or how do you see you uh, participating in that role? I think our current AG is well-regarded and respected, not just in Massachusetts. And we know this from just crisscrossing the state, but also nationally. And with the recent Supreme Court decisions around guns and gun safety and reproductive health care, Her leadership will continue and is necessary even right now to protect us. And so for me, it's building upon her leadership and the legacy of those who came before. Where I would bring additional effort and attention is with respect to really pushing the office to be more intersectional and helping a family. One family is not just dealing with maybe toxins in their water. They're also dealing with wage theft. They went to work. They didn't get paid or potential foreclosure crisis. They're worried about whether or not they're actually receiving the insurance benefits they're entitled to. So this office can be more intersectional in the work. I think we need greater intentionality when it comes to our gateway communities. I've been touring the state and really going into those communities, especially outside of Boston, that are struggling in many ways, don't have the resources and all of the supports that they need to be able to deliver constituent services and all the things that their residents need to thrive and to prosper. Of course, a focus on racial disparities. Frankly, that should be the norm in the office. And then I would just add for me the personal pieces around prison reform and juvenile justice. And this affects not just communities of color, but I'll name it poor white residents, especially in rural communities when we're criminalizing mental health or the use of different substances. So it's an area of focus I care deeply about, and I know others do as well, that I would bring more attention to. In terms of the things that an attorney general does, Do you need the blessing of the legislature? Do you have to go through the governor? Can you work pretty much on your own to achieve your your objectives? What is special about this office, and I have been stressing this too, along with the broad scope of what the office can do to help an individual, it has all the tools and resources and the legal authority to act independently. You don't answer to the governor. You don't answer to the legislature. You answer to the people. And I think that's an incredible mandate. So it says that the constitutional protections we are afforded, and we know our constitution is the oldest in this country, that those constitutional protections are to be, of course, given to every resident in Massachusetts and for them to be protected 
been given everything they would need to be successful, to thrive, and most importantly, for the next generation to do better than the last. And I think that's such a significant responsibility that the AG's office has. And what's special is you can deliver on a whole host of policy initiatives to help residents with the tools in your office and with the resources available to you. Of course, you're more effective in the work when you can work with the next governor and other state electeds, as well as folks in the legislature. I have the support now of over 100 elected officials at the local level, the state level, as well as at the federal level, because I think all of them see me as a partner in the work and that I would be a partner in the work as AG to really maximize what we could do to help residents and families all across the Commonwealth. And I think you do that better when you work in partnership and collaborate. Your experience on the city council, obviously collaborative board, you have to work together to get things done. Do you think that would be an asset to you working with the legislature, working with the governor and trying to build consensus around uh, some of your policy objectives? Absolutely. It's essential. And I've been stressing there are three candidates in this race and there are three distinctions that I make between me and the other two candidates. One is definitely my personal story and narrative. While tragic, I know it connects to many of the struggles that residents are feeling and experiencing right now. And I think they want to see someone in office who can connect to that struggle in a deep way and bring that empathy and compassion. But the other two pieces, I do think my legal background is more comprehensive. I've worked in the nonprofit sector representing children for free. I've worked in state government, but also my legislative background. Major distinction. I'm the only candidate in the race that's actually gone to the state house and really moved legislation, even working with our current governor across the aisle to get things done, to get funding into our public safety agencies here in Boston. So I have a track record of working with anyone, frankly, to get things done that will move the needle, make progress on all the issues that our residents care about. And what I know to be true is residents don't want us wasting any time. And so I bring a sense of urgency to the work and that legislative piece is going to be critical, especially given what's coming out of the Supreme Court. Tell me, in terms of education in the state, you know, you're talking about racial equity and income inequality. What type of influence would they have on educational policy in the state? And what do you see, for example, the city of Boston, the public schools might go into receivership, the state taking over? A, do you think that's a good idea? And B, what would you do to improve the quality of education in the state? Is that something that the AG would be involved in? Of course, I live in Boston. I live in Mattapan in Boston, and those inequities are alive and well. I'm a product of five Boston public schools. All were excellent. And what I know to be true is not everyone is afforded access to a high-quality Boston public school. And I feel blessed that I have my oldest son in a Boston public school, but is considered one of the gyms in the district. So I do think the AG's office can do a lot more in education statewide. I think the question around receivership is a local issue and really involves the state and state agencies working with local leaders and stakeholders in that in, in various communities to get to a thoughtful decision. And the AG's office is probably not in the weeds on that. So I think you got to be careful where you weigh in. I do think the AG's office, though, has a responsibility to really look across the state and to point out those disparities. The fact, not just Boston, but frankly, communities outside of Boston, Fall River, Worcester, Springfield, Taunton, Lowell, Many communities that do not have adequate resources and funding for their school systems, that have real challenges in meeting the needs of students on IEPs or students with disabilities, real concerns when it comes to racial disparities, when it comes to literacy rates, college dropout rates. I think it's the AG's responsibility to highlight those and then to do the work 
of closing those gaps. And I actually think there's a place for the AG to play a role while coupling it with mental health. Because as as I crisscross this state and talk to more residents, mental health is also a major issue right now, not just for adults, but for our young people and our children. An uptick in depression, suicidal ideation, anxiety, angst, you name it. And I think we need greater investments in mental health supports for our young people as well as adults. And I think schools play a role in that. So I think there's a critical role for the AG to play in just the well-being of our young people, including making sure they have access to a high-quality education. It just became law that undocumented residents of Massachusetts will be able to obtain driver's licenses. Uh, number one, do you think that's a, a, a good idea? And number two, as the AG, is that office capable of representing people who are not technically citizens of the state of Massachusetts? I appreciate the question because I think a lot of folks don't have a full sense of what this all means. I do support this. One, it is, for, as many have remarked, not just an economic issue, but it's also a public safety issue. And these are residents, immigrants who work and pay taxes. Let's, let's be clear how much the immigrant communities that exist in Massachusetts contribute to our economy. Um, and that's not fluff. That is real. Um, when you think about health care, for example, the folks who are taking care of our elder parents, who are the nurses, the PCAs, you name it. Uh, many of these folks come from our immigrant communities. And I think we have to acknowledge that. Public safety. I was just talking to Representative Kip Diggs, who lost not only his uh, son, but also his brother in tragic accidents. And for those who have gone through that experience, the additional grief in trying to figure out who actually harmed your loved one if they don't have a driver's license is really horrific. And so this is also a public safety issue and really is a way to respond to when, when you're trying to figure out who is liable for some serious accidents uh, or murders or homicides with their vehicles. In addition to that, it's also a smart decision. And I think right now the advocates and folks have been working on this for a long time. It will be the AG's responsibility to write the regulations and you don't have a choice, right? If the law is passed by the state house, regardless of your personal position on it, and the law calls for you to regulate and to put out regulations, that's your job and responsibility. So in this context, it would be the AG's responsibility to do just that, working with residents and various stakeholders to get those regulations done right. And so tell me, Andrea, uh, another issue that's going to be front and center on the uh, ballot, the fair share amendment. Uh, do you have feelings one way or the other about that? I'm fully supportive of it, and I have been on the record supporting it, and we'll be out there lifting up that it is a ballot question that has been cleared to actually appear on the ballot and getting out there to encourage residents to get out and vote. Tell me, are there any other issues that you're particularly strong on in terms of your advocacy? And I'd love to know some of your proudest accomplishments and things you're most proud of as a public servant or in your business life or professional life, personal life as well. Well, I am a wife and I am a mom. And so that matters to me, of course, and, and taking care of my family, my faith. I'm very faith driven and my family, I say, are the foundation of my life. And if anything, you know, if there are any cracks in that foundation, I'm in trouble. But I'm, I'm also proud of the work I did as a city councilor and as a lawyer. But specifically on the city council, if you come into my district that I represented, I'm proud that we are the city is still activating city owned vacant lots. It was a big project that I took on along with residents, literally uh, residential lots owned by the city of Boston that were blighted. 
in communities and not being used for any purpose uh, to serve community. And so can you imagine living in a neighborhood with city-owned lots around you that are in, in disrepair and are blighted and not, not well-maintained? And so we were activating some of those for housing, for economic opportunities, and economic opportunities for the residents that live in that community. So we're building wealth in the process. And I couple that with the AG's role. The AG has receivership power and can work with various municipalities across the Commonwealth to activate those types of lots to meet the needs of residents, which is tangible things that an AG's office can do to build wealth in the community. I'm really proud of my record on public safety, not only pushing for police departments to have funding and working with Governor Baker to ensure that, but at the same time, pushing for accountability tools so that no one is stealing taxpayer dollars, for example, and, and body cameras we now have. We have the Office of Police Accountability and Transparency. Other cities and municipalities across the Commonwealth want these accountability tools while, of course, making sure that they are adequately resourced. I'm really proud of my work on housing. My first piece of legislation was the Community Preservation Act. It's still generating millions of dollars in the city of Boston for affordable housing. And I know that's a major issue across the Commonwealth. It's just too expensive to live here. Um, and not just for poor people, as, as some folks often think about affordable housing, just for the, the poorest of the poor. It's public safety workers. It's state employees. It's municipal workers. It's me. right? It's, it's us. And so I really think this is an opportunity to really push the envelope on other housing solutions. And I'm really proud of my track record of doing that in the city of Boston. And I also recognize we're a Boston-centric state. And there are other communities doing amazing things as far as Berkshire County that we need to lift up and celebrate and make sure those communities are adequately resourced so they, too, can have access to the same opportunities and resources for their constituents and residents, too. Andrea, why don't you give us a closing statement and let people know how they can find out more about you, maybe volunteer, maybe visit your website, maybe make a a donation. Who knows what will (laughs) happen? With the Tingle talk show. <laughs> That's Well, we need it all. And, and let me tell you, this election, the primary is the day after Labor Day. And we know a lot of folks are busy. And so to reach the most voters, to turn them out in this election, we have to go up on TV. We want to meet people where they are. And so that is very expensive. I'm proud that I've raised the most in this race. But I tell my team, we can't slow down because to reach those voters, we need to continue to raise. And so if folks are, are inclined to give, I would be greatly appreciated. AndreaCampbell.org, or appreciative, I should say, but it's at AndreaCampbell.org. At that same website, we need volunteers. I am out there crisscrossing the state. We are phone banking. We'll be text banking, door knocking to reach voters to tell them about how, how significant this office is. So if they visit AndreaCampbell.org, they can find out all of that information. Follow us on social media. And I'll just add, following what's coming out of the Supreme Court, I'm telling voters they need to vote in care because the attorney general office and offices across the country are going to be the offices that stand up for us, that protect us, that fight for us. And that just doesn't mean in the context of the Supreme Court when it comes to mental health, making sure you have access to affordable health care that is accessible, protecting our children, protecting us against gun violence, absolutely making sure we have access all the tools to stay in our home, grow our wealth, to have living, a living wage, benefits, all the things you would need for your family and the next generation to do better. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Andrea Campbell. I will see you on the campaign trail. Thank you so much. Thank Wishing you. you the best of luck. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrea Campbell, candidate for Attorney General of Massachusetts. Thanks. 
Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. Our mission is your mission. Humor for Humanity at JimmyTingle.com. Thank you.